There's no reason to think the Cincinnati Bearcats cannot win a conference championship if they get better at this. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. We're free and available everywhere that you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel and follow us too to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Bet Online, as you see on your screen. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network is Lockdown Bearcats, your team every day. So the Cincinnati Bearcats, um, one area where I feel like they are struggling, and definitely I think you can agree with me on this, is the red zone and short yardage situation. So I was curious after the game on Saturday, and really during the game, because in the game, the Cincinnati Bearcats, on their first two possessions, were both really promising, but they were forced to settle for field goals on their first two possessions. And I felt like there were some points left out on the field. And so that made me think, well, what about last year's team? What about last year's team? How successful were they on on all of their drives during the season? How many reached the red zone? How successful were they in the red zone? Et cetera. So what I did was I went back and looked at the drive charts of each game last year and the nine games so far this year, just to get an idea and make comparisons, make some observations. How is this team doing in the red zone? How is this team doing... You know, how many drives are they getting per game? Uh, What are they doing with those drives? So last year, the Bearcats had 174 total drives. Their lowest was 10 versus Alabama. Their highest was 15 versus Central Florida. And it's interesting there because in their um, their lowest total, they only scored six points. In their highest total, sorry, I'm still battling a cold. Um, In their highest total, they scored 56 points. So... Big difference there. But the Bearcats last year had 174 total drives. Of those 174 total drives, 42 reached the red zone. So that is 24% of the Bearcats' drives reached the red zone. And over the course of a 14-game season, when you have a lot of drives, that's actually pretty good. Of those 42 red zone trips, 23 resulted in touchdowns. Six resulted in field goals. But there were 13 times of those 42 red zone trips where they didn't score. That means 13 times the Bearcats reached the red zone. That's almost one drive per game where they reached the red zone but didn't score. That's not good. And remember last year, there were several missed kicks. There were several, um, you know, turnovers, I think. Um, Just some missed opportunities or didn't convert on fourth down, etc. Bearcats had two drives reach the red zone in the Cotton Bowl, but they had to settle for field goals. So the Bearcats, 70 touchdowns last year. And this is going to weave into segment two today. Um, Something that I see within the Bearcats offense that is both good but needs to evolve. So the Bearcats last year scored 70 touchdowns, school record. 33% of those touchdowns came from the red zone. So... That means um, 
23 touchdowns in the red zone. That means the Bearcats had 47 touchdowns of 20 or more yards, which is really, really good. But that's also a little troublesome. So that means this year, the Bearcats have 113 total drives through nine games. Could that get to 174? They need 61 more drives over the next four games, or they need 61 more drives over the next three guaranteed games. I think they're going to play in the conference championship games. They'll get four. That means 15 drives per game plus a bowl game. So that's five more games. I think they could get there. If they play five more games, that is an average of, let's see, 61. They would need 12 drives a game. They can get there. Um, So far this year, 27% of drives this year have reached the red zone. That's 30 trips to the red zone. Now, this year, the Bearcats overall are scoring on 90% of the red zone possessions. 20, I'm sorry, 18 touchdowns to nine field goals and three times they didn't score. So 27 of 30 times they've reached the red zone, they've scored. That's really good. 40, this year so far, the Bearcats have 37 touchdowns. They're not going to hit 70. I mean, in the next three games, they'd have to average over 10, which, I mean, SMU did that on Saturday, so I guess they could. Let's say they play four. You got to get 33 more touchdowns. That's an average of eight per game. I don't think that's happening. If they play five more games, they got to average just under seven. I don't think that's going to happen. And that's okay. But of the 37 touchdowns this year scored by the Bearcats, 19 have come from outside the red zone. 19 have come from outside the red zone. So this goes back to the game on Saturday where the Bearcats started off really well. By the way, the Bearcats scored on their first three possessions and four of their first five overall. In a game where they only had eight possessions, and again, they're playing Navy, So, you know, the game's going to be shortened because of the uniqueness of Navy's triple option offense. But the Bearcats um, on Saturday, if you look at their first two possessions and how they ended up. So the first drive of the game, the first play of the game, Ben Bryant hits Jaden Thompson for a 35-yard completion. 15-yard penalty uh, gets the Bearcats to the Navy 25. Here are the next three plays. Uh, they tried a play action. They tried a, a a play action where Brian faked the handoff. I forget who the running back was. Uh, who I forget the running back who was in on the play. Brian tried to fake a handoff. Then he fumbled the ball. He fell on it at the thirty yard line. Okay, they try to play. They try to play action. No big deal. Lose five yards. Get the ball back. At least you don't turn it over. The next play, they run a draw up. They they run up the middle with McClellan out of the shotgun. Now, on 2nd and 15, I'm not calling that play. I don't know why Gino Gadulli called that play. Maybe he still believes in the running game a whole whole lot. But on 2nd and 15, that's where I'm using Wiley. That's where I'm using Taylor. That's where I'm using some quick passing game, as Russ Heldman alludes to a lot. That's where I'm using RPO. That's where I'm using Nick Mardner. We'll get to him in segment two. That's where I'm using a lot of other options besides a, a run up the middle. On 2nd and 15, yes, it's Charles McClellan, who's this team's best running back, but that's not the time and place for a run up the middle. Then on 3rd and 14, they try to short pass to the right side, Tyler Scott. 
pass was broken up. Thankfully, Ryan Coe, who has been really, really good in this second half of the season. Uh, 9 of 10 since the bye week. 47-yard field goal, good. Bearcats are up 3-0. You, you, you'll take that, but you felt like there was something left out there. Let's go to the next possession. This possession for the Bearcats uh, that gets the Navy 34 after an 18-yard run by McClellan. Incomplete pass to Thompson on the left side. That was a drop pass by Thompson. We'll talk about those tomorrow on the film review. Drop passes, still a deal for the Bearcats. Second and 10. Short pass to Tyler Scott, six yards. Next play. Short pass to the right side to Will Pauling. Good to see him back. Three yards. So fourth and one from the 25. They go for it. No problem there. Uh, Ryan Montgomery up the middle just gets the first down. They eventually reach the nine-yard line of Navy. First and goal. Incomplete pass to the left side, Tyler Scott. They run Ryan Montgomery up the middle. Not sure again why you're running second and goal from the nine-yard line. And then an incomplete pass to the short left. Ryan was hurried by uh, Navy's John Marshall with a really solid game on Saturday. Uh, there was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There was concern that the play was a fumble, but it was an incomplete pass. Brian's arm was going forward. Ryan Cove makes a 27-yard field goal. Bearcats are up by six to nothing. So those were the drives stalled, right? Last year's red zone statistics and drive statistics compared to this year's, I mean, I thought it was going to be drastically different and last year's was going to be drastically better, but it turns out that's not the case. I still think the Bearcats need to be better situationally. I thought they were better on Saturday, but still need to get a little bit more better. There's areas where the drives are stalling out, some of them outside the red zone, and I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure if it's, you know, once the game settles in and and your plays are no longer scripted, maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. But what I do know is this, there are options within this offense to fix it. Right now, they're just not being utilized the right way. Tyler Scott is. But I feel like that there are um, there are elements to this offense that have not been unlocked yet. And when they are, it's going to be a really, really tough offense to stop. All right, coming up, why the makeup of the Bearcats offense needs to evolve. We'll explain that after a word from our Brand new partners at Nissan. This week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be Tyler Scott's first touchdown of the game. This came in the second quarter when the Bearcats were um, driving. This was a Fourth and one from the Navy 38-yard line. Ben Bryan throws a pass to Tyler Scott, caught it outside the red zone, broke a tackle, and ran all the way into the end zone for the touchdown. Cincinnati went up 13-0, and Navy never really got themselves fully back into the game. But it was Scott's yards after the catch that display, as with Nissan here, unbelievable abilities. His athleticism, every touchdown in Scott's career has gone for over 20 yards. He runs like one of these new Nissan vehicles. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. 
All right, thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen today. For your next or second listen today, excuse me, check out Lockdown Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only Lockdown can provide Lockdown Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. I may have had that wrong. Um, that live read wrong. Let me make sure that I did. And I did. All right. That's for the outro. Sorry. Thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Those have been all over the place. Those ads. I click on segment two, and it gives me the outro. I click on the outro, it gives me the flex. So I... I finally have figured it out. So there we go. Hosted, by the way, by Peter Bukowski. Really, really good host. He's also the host of Lockdown Packers. Alex Frank, back with you, your host of Lockdown Bearcats, each and every day here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. So the Bearcats offense, um, much like last year, is dependent on big plays. That's fine. Um, Big plays are great. Big play offenses are fun. They sell tickets. They make for highlight reels. But what happens when the plays aren't there? What happens when the plays, you know, when the drives stall out? What happens where, you know, you're still having trouble running the football? And what happens when teams play too high safety? Or what happens when, you know, you're playing a team with really good corners and they're not letting receivers get open? You know, what's going to happen when you run into those situations? What's going to happen when you play um, in the Big 12 and you go out to Salt Lake City and it's snowing in the middle of November, or October for that matter, and you got to run the football. What's going to happen when you get into that situation? you got to be able to evolve your offense. You can't just hit the big plays because they're so hard to hit, believe it or not. The timing of them, I mean, we take we maybe take Brian to Scott for granted. Those plays take time, man. Time in the spring, time in the summer, time in the um, you know fall camp. And those plays are not high-percentage plays. You know, Woody Hayes used to say that when you throw the football, two or three things that can happen are bad. It's either incomplete or intercepted. So to me, like, I think you've got to run the football if you're Cincinnati. I think if you're the Bearcats, you got to incorporate some other elements to your offense. You know, watch teams like UCF. And their red zone efficiency against the Bearcats, outside of two fumbles, they scored on every red zone possession. When they didn't turn the ball over, they scored. Red zone play calling can decide games. The difference between scoring touchdowns and settling for field goals. Let's not forget that this team still has a quarterback who is limited athletically. So you've got to get creative. RPOs, misdirections. You know, Tyler Scott, believe it or not, Every one of his touchdown receptions, as I alluded to in that live read, every touchdown reception that he has is over 20 yards. So if I'm the Cincinnati Bearcats, I got to figure out, okay, how do I incorporate Leonard Taylor and Josh Wiley? You know, Nick Marner should be better in the red zone. Nick Marner should be better, you know, moving the sticks. How many drop passes does he have over the last three weeks? It feels like a lot, right? So if I'm Nick, Mar- so if I'm the Bearcats, if I'm Gino Gadouli, I can't just keep relying on Tyler Scott. Teams are eventually going to take him away. 
how do you move the ball methodically down the field with Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor? Like the Bearcats offense right now, I still don't think has an identity. They didn't run the football all that well against Navy on Saturday. Like I'm watching the Bearcats game on Saturday. And I still was not impressed with what I saw by the running game. Cincinnati, um, running the football on Saturday, only had 55 yards. 55. Only four first downs came via the run. Like, this is not your, this is not your typical Bearcats team. But they can be. Maybe start using Corey Kiner a little bit more in those short yardage situations. Ryan Montgomery had some short yardage pickups yesterday. Why not start to use him more? There are ways to unlock this offense. I love what they're doing with Jaden Thompson. They're getting him wide open, and he's delivering. For the record, on Saturday, Jaden Thompson has been having a really nice run of uh, stretch of games here. Three catches, 81 yards. He's getting wide open, and he's running after the catch. So why not use him more? There are ways to incorporate this offense. Elements that are not being used right now. And, like, I don't know um, if this – I mean, they don't have to rely on the home run ball. They can pick up those 10 yards. Like, Nick Martiner had multiple drops yesterday. One of those was a clean throw, a little bit behind him, yeah, but it could have been a first down. It could have been a first down, right? So, like, the Cincinnati Bearcats – are right there. They just have to find a way to run the run the football, start utilizing what we thought was going to be a strength of this offense in Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor. And right now it's not. Right? Right now it's not. They're relying a lot on Tyler Scott, who looked really good in this, you know, second game back from ankle injury. But Nick Marner was supposed to be better. Right now, he's not. Just for, um, I, I, I do wonder this. So, Nick Marner is a, we, we thought coming into the season was going to be a big play receiver. And he has been at times. But so far, Nick Marner has, let's see. They tell you the targets, they do not. 16 catches, 183 yards, and three touchdowns. Three touchdowns is good, but what's not good is he only had 16 catches. He had 47 last year. And what's concerning to me is he's not reeling in his targets. Right now, the Cincinnati Bearcats have um, Nick Mardner has, let's see, I don't tell you. Hmm, that's odd. I wonder how many targets Nick Martiner has. I'm going to guess 30, and he's holding 16. That's a little, that's a lot, though. Um, But again, it, it, it just, it goes to show you that there are ways that this offense can be so much more dynamic. It was early on because the running game was still effective and the passing game was evolving um, just all of a sudden. I mean, I didn't expect it to be as great as it was early on. The first half against Indiana, it was humming. 
but you got to get better. Like, it's great that you're a big play team and that can scare the defense, but defenses aren't going to be scared if they load the box on third and one because they know they can stop you right now. Defenses know you can stop ECU. I mean, defenses know you, I mean, ECU knows they can stop Corey Kiner on third and one or Ryan Montgomery, whoever it is. They know that they don't have to necessarily fear Wiley and Taylor right now. I don't think they do. I think if you're Cincinnati, you know, Tyler Scott is your big play guy. But him having 10 catches is good, but showing that you're relying on him a little too much. Again, big plays are fun. They sell tickets, highlight reels, and you got to pick up those short yardage and easy yardage situations. Nick Mardner, Ryan Montgomery, um, Corey Kiner, Charles McClellan. You have all these options at your disposal. Why not use them? Why not use them? They're right there. Josh Wiley, Leonard Taylor, they were supposed to be the strength of the passing game this season. Why not use them? You have options. And it can make this offense so much better. That's what's going to win games against ECU and Tulane. That's what's going to win a conference championship. It's not if you can hit the big play. It's can you convert a third and one from the 30? Up one or down one. Can you convert, you know, a second and two on a game-winning drive? Can you convert third and goal from the two down four? 20 seconds left. Situationally, this team is still not very good. Now, the fourth and one play called a Tyler Scott that I mentioned in the Nissan Live read, that was really good, right? That's Gino Gadula getting the ball into the best player's hands, okay? But there are ways to make this offense more dynamic. All right, coming up, the Cincinnati man I was most happy for on Saturday. I'll explain who that is after a word from Bet Online. As you see on your screen, BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. It's the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. You know who I was most happy for on Saturday? The Cincinnati man I was most happy for on Saturday. He's not a Cincinnati man now, but he was. Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly is having an unbelievable first season at LSU. And I know when I say his name, a lot of you have bad memories. You still have something against him. And that's understandable. My mom is the same way. But personally, I have a lot of respect and a lot of admiration for Brian Kelly in terms of him running a successful program. I don't like how he leaves programs and leaves jobs. But as far as him running big-time programs in Notre Dame and LSU, I am very, very proud of, or I don't know if I should say proud, I am very, very admirable or uh, admiring of what he is doing. 
LSU was in not a great state coming into the season. And they lost a heartbreaker to Florida State week one. And everybody's saying, well, they should have gone for two. Well, guess what? Last night, again, or Saturday, rather, against Alabama, down two. Or down one, sorry. In the fourth quarter. Or, I'm sorry, in overtime. Jeez. In overtime. The Bearcats are, jeez. LSU had an opportunity to kick an extra point, send the game to a second overtime, which would have been fine. Brian Kelly knew his defense was having trouble stopping Bryce Young in Alabama. If you watched the fourth quarter and overtime of that game, you would know that Alabama's offense was unstoppable. So Brian Kelly dials up a two-point play. If they're going to win the game and control their own destiny to win the SEC West, this play was going to be the this was going to be the time to do it, and they did. The ability to run a successful program like Notre Dame for over a decade, and now in his first season at LSU. Excuse me. Where recruiting is higher in terms of the intensity. You know, where you're playing in the best conference against Alabama and Ole Miss and Auburn and Arkansas. And you're competing with a lot of other entities around you in Baton Rouge. And you have to, you know, you're running LSU football. For him to do what he did against Alabama is pretty dang remarkable. Very remarkable. I I know a lot of you still hold a grudge against Brian Kelly with what he did and how he left Cincinnati. But think about where the Bearcats are right now. Think about where the Bearcats are right now. They are 7-2. and two. They're coming off a college football playoff appearance. Luke Fickle got the program back to the heights of 2009 and 2020 and then took it a step further last year by reaching the college football playoff. That, my friends, is that is what should make you at least look at Brian Kelly and say, you know what? He's a pretty dang good head coach. I'm proud that he built the Bearcats program to where it was in 2009 and why we were so upset when he left and why we yearn for a head coach like Luke Fickle. And the Bearcats, where they are as a program right now, heading to a Power 5 conference, if we can appreciate what Brian Kelly is doing as a head coach at LSU, beating Alabama in his first season, his first season, he's got a top 10 team, potentially a playoff team, and they just beat Alabama, who Cincinnati beat, or Cincinnati Played last year in the college football playoff. Like if you it, it, you have to be happy where Cincinnati is, and I think now that the Bearcats got to the championship tournament of college football, the championship tournament, you can maybe appreciate what Brian Kelly is doing and how great of a head coach he was, and recognize that he was once at Cincinnati and built the program from just. Eh, an afterthought to being something big. Because when the Bearcats were bad, like, that wasn't right. It wasn't right post-Brian Kelly. It was bad. It was good. It was okay, you know. Or, I shouldn't say okay, but it wasn't not bad. Or whatever the, the wording is. Before he got there. But after he left, but after he left Cincinnati, people cared. People had... 
ties to the program emotionally because of Brian Kelly. And for me, I don't hold a grudge against them. The Bearcats beat Notre Dame. The Bearcats went to the playoff. And Brian Kelly is now doing great things at an SEC school. I didn't think it was going to be this good. I didn't think his program was going to be this good in year one. Year one. And they beat Alabama. LSU now has the inside track to go to the SEC championship game. Let alone be Alabama. And even if they don't win the SEC championship. Look, LSU is... I'm not making this about LSU, but like... Thanks to Brian Kelly, who made the Bearcats into what they were years ago, and now Luke Fickle's got them back where they are. I think you can be a little happy for Brian Kelly. I saw in his post-game interview with Holly Rowe just the amount of passion he has for the game and how much he poured into that game. Incredible to see. And by the way, Cincinnati, if you're upset about where they are right now as a program, they're 7-2, and and they have the same record as Alabama. They have the same record as the same team they played last year in the playoff, and it's considered a blue blood of college football the gold standard of college football. Now, I had people texting me after the game on Saturday when LSU won, saying, end of the dynasty, maybe they're right. And they only have one national championship now in the last five years. That's not Alabama football. But when you think about where Cincinnati is, and are there things that you wish were better about this program? Yes. Are there things that... I wish we're better about this program right now. Yes. In terms of what I'm seeing on the field and what you're seeing, yes, we all do. That's totally fine. They got three games, though, to correct it. That's the beauty of college football. Every game matters. But now that Cincinnati is, you know, where they are right now, just outside the top 25, still have a shot to be the G5 representative in a New Year's Six Bowl, there's no reason to not be happy about where this team is at. I'm encouraged what I saw on Saturday. I'm encouraged what I saw at UCF. I'm, I'm encouraged by the fact that the Bearcats have the same record as Alabama, and they technically only have one fewer loss or one more loss than Tennessee, Clemson, Oregon. Yeah. Like the Bearcats, and you'll appreciate this, I think, once they get out of the American because I think they're still held back by the Americans conference and their reputation. But I'm really happy with where this team is at right now. And I'm happy for Brian Kelly. Like, that's a big game in year one that he led his team to victory in. In year one against Nick Saban. And in years past against Nick Saban, Brian Kelly has struggled mightily. And now in the SEC, he's 1-0 against him. You can, again, still have your feelings towards him. I understand. But what I also understand is, that because we're because of how Luke Fickle has brought the Bearcats back from you know college football irrelevancy and got them back to where they were in 2009 when you were talking about playoff and national championships and now they got to the college football playoff last year. Can we stop with the whole? Well, I'm still upset Brian Kelly left. Be happy for him. I think you should. I feel great as a Bearcats fan today because I don't hold any grudges towards him. I don't. I'm happy for him. And I was, ha- I was happy for him the most on Saturday. 
than of anybody associated with Cincinnati. Because Brian Kelly, you might view this in a negative way, and you really shouldn't, will forever be a part of Cincinnati. He's in the Hall of Fame. And that's why I'm happy for him and what he and LSU were able to do on Saturday. And because now I know Luke Fickle's got this program in good hands. You may not like Brian Kelly as a person, but as a coach and where he took this Bearcats program to at a time where they were, you know, an afterthought in college football, pretty impressive, if you ask me. All right. That's going to do it for me today here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore 90 with two N's and an ATI. You can also follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, or email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel and follow us too every time we drop a new episode. Thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen today. I got it right this time. For your second listen today, check out Lockdown Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only Lockdown can provide Lockdown Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski. I'm Alex Frank for Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day back tomorrow with our film review of the Bearcats win over Navy. We'll take a look at um, drop passes, um, how Jaden Thompson's getting so wide open, um, other observations and takeaways. And then on Thursday, Russ Heltman will join me. Friday's our game preview against a very good ECU team. I've done some research on them already. I'm starting to dive into them. They are a really good team. It's going to be a dog fight on Friday night in Nippert Stadium. Should be a lot of fun. Also, Thursday night, a bonus we'll recap where we will recap the Bearcats men's basketball game against Cleveland State. For Lockdown Bearcats, my name is Alex Frank. Have a great <laughs> excuse me, rest of your day. Stay safe and stay healthy like I need to. And I will talk to you all tomorrow right here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.